0: Welcome back to another episode of the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. Today we have Anthony Johnson. Anthony owns Continuous Journey LLC. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh man, thanks for having me, brother. It's a pleasure. Cool. Let's kick this off with a little bit of background. All right. Where are you
1: from? From Buffalo, New York. Born nice. and raised.
0: What brought you to the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia?
1: Man, I needed to get out of Buffalo. Okay. And so I went to WVU. Uh, you know, that's my first experience in West Virginia. So you know, I'm a mountaineer and I've I've you know I've been here ever since pretty much, you know, long story short. What attracted you to WVU for school? Uh that it was just different from what I was used to. So, I just wanted to go somewhere that was away far enough away from family where they couldn't really get to me, but close enough where I need, if I could get home, I, you know, it wasn't too far.
0: I don't want to talk badly about your hometown, but okay, I know people who have been there. No, I know people. No, I'm just saying what <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I heard. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. There's wind coming off of a, a, the lake. And it just gets smashed with snow all year long or
1: not all year long, all winter long. I mean, it's, there is I don't miss the snow. Right. Buffalo is just a shitty place to be. Oh, like, yeah. like, it's just a shitty place to be as far as weather and snow. But like there's some and there there's so many parts of the Buffalo where you don't even there's nowhere you can be where, where you feel safe. But there's also so much good food in Buffalo. That's good to know, And you don't even realize it until you leave.
0: Yeah, I mean nobody ever hated on Buffalo, but they just talked about just the amount of snow that can fall. It's just amazing. Yeah, I used to jump out my attic window into the snow. Like, That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy because down here we just don't get that much snow. We yeah. get a little bit here and there. So um,
1: military experience, army first. Army first. What years you go in? Uh, Two thousand one, right after September eleven. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So September twenty eighth. How old were you then? I was, I was just about to turn eighteen. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, you're one of those
0: right out of the gate, nine yeah. eleven. Yep. Right in the military. Was it because of military was it because of nine eleven
1: or were no. you going that path anyway? No, I was I didn't want to join the military. Mm-hmm. Like it was all about paying for school for me. Okay. And then I ended up liking it and staying in. Like I was in a I had a military I had a military science class my freshman year. A recruiter came in, he was like, We'll pay hundred percent tuition and we'll pay back your student loans from this past year and I was like, sign me up. That's that's all it took for me. It was like my my mom was busting her ass trying to get student loans. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "No, nah, we're not doing this so I'm, i i was going to do whatever it took to get my college paid for, so when they sent me that um check for my student loans, that reimbursement check, I just sent it right to my mom nice and then so you went in as an officer well, I went in and I was enlisted for seven years, okay, and then I did r o t c at w v u and commissioned in twenty ten oh, so
0: I lost track of the, I lost track of the timeline, so you went in right after high school."
1: Yeah, I went in my fresh. It was my freshman year of college, and you went f- active duty. No, I was National Guard. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it was my freshman year of college. I was seventeen, but right just about
0: turned eighteen. I see. I I I, I went in enlist, enlisted in ninety uh, seven. I got out no once. So I got out right before 9-11 happened. Oh, okay. Okay. I was in during the Clinton years, man. It was like vacation before a twenty five year old. What, what made you get
1: in? What made you get in? Were you all like gunco ho ho army? Like, no, man. Night? My my life. I was
0: twenty. One, and my life was on a trajectory that was pointing like okay. a little bit like a nosedive just due to really wild living. Okay. And I was just, I hit a few milestones that were pretty crucial. And I was like, I need some real direction. I went down to the uh, the Navy recruiter, had an office like near my apartment in Tampa, Florida. Hey. And I, I walked down there because my car had just been stolen. That was one of the milestones because okay. then you can't get to work. Um, I knew I was gonna make rent. And I said I gotta find, it. I gotta find a path out, and um, I walked down there, and they were like, "Yeah, buddy, let's uh, get you into the ASVAB. Let's we'll take you in tomorrow or the next day." And I said, "Sure, let's let's go the next day or whatever." And mm-hmm. they came to pick me up in the little recruiter sedan. You know, <laughs> took me to do yeah. an ASVAB. I did, I did well, and they got all they got all horny, man. They were like, "Oh, have you heard of nukes?" You you qualify to work on nukes in the yeah. submarine or some of the nuclear ships that are being built. And I was like, they got so fired up for me that I got nervous. They, they like they Have you heard of this thing called computers? It's <laughs> something that's really coming up big right now. We can get you into this and learn. And they were too just jazzed up to yeah. get me in. And I, I was looking for a more casual approach, like, oh, what's next? That kind of thing. Then I like went next door to the Army guys, and they yeah. had posters of guys coming out of the mud rangers with the you know the knife in their teeth and I was like that guy. Yeah. That's probably who I want to be because I was 2021, 20, yeah. you know, somewhere in that age range. I thought being a a warrior would be something that I would really be into without thinking it through. So that's how I ended up going army in I think it was February of 97. Okay. And then went with a ranger contract. Man, I, I remember seeing the list of jobs that I qualified for and just being an idiot. I didn't know what th- I didn't know what counterintelligence meant. Yeah. But boy, I bet that'd have been cool if I knew ahead of time. Yeah. You know, and all these different things. So anyway, I ended up signing up infantry contract, ranger regiment, like just gung ho without reading the fine print and just jumped into it. And then I knew like on day between day three and day five of basic training that basic training was high speed enough for me. Yeah. I don't need this ranger stress. And I was so lucky on like week two, the, uh, the old guard recruiter showed up looking for men of a certain height and stature. Mm-hmm. And I fit into that okay. height and they're like, hey, your way out. are you interested in this ceremonial unit? And I'm like, Hmm, what, what's this? And what else is it Then I found out that they're stationed at Fort Myer in Arlington, Virginia, yeah. and I'm from Arlington, Virginia. So right. for me, it was a little, the stars line. I was like, "Yeah, if they knew I was from Arlington, Virginia, they probably would take it away from me." <laughs> but, boom, but that's that's the preliminary story of how I ended up in the military. Okay, nice. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't know about ROTC. I didn't know about
1: that sort of stuff. Yeah. But let's say you finish your four years of school, right? Yeah. So I I had a non traditional route through college. I I went in my first few years. I didn't. I I flunked out. And I ended up withdrawing from college. Okay. All right. And uh when Hurricane Katrina hit, I volunteered to to do that and did search and rescue and security. And right after that I went back to school. Okay. Um and so I didn't graduate college till twenty ten. So my freshman year's in two thousand one. I didn't graduate, get my undergrad to twenty ten when I was twenty seven. Okay. So so yeah, I did I was enlisted until I went back to school, joined the RTC, then commissioned in twenty ten when I graduated. What was it like down in Katrina? How soon were you in there? Man, that shit was crazy, man. It was after it was in an aftermath. Right? I was doing search and rescue and security. And uh, that was one of my most interesting military experiences, if not the most. Right. Because you're going down there. Um, and it's just like we're driving around in Humvees with, you know, locked and loaded. Right. You know, because cause shit's so crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember being a specialist. I was a specialist back then. You know, I had like a sergeant major as my A driver. locked and loaded. right? Right, and um, you know, we're doing we're doing health and wellness checks, and then at night the police are still serving warrants, right? Right, police, local police are still trying to do their jobs. We're doing ride-alongs with the local police, and then you know, it's just a it's just a wild situation. You know, you go from you know trying to help people during the day, then serving warrants during at night, um, trying to do some humanitarian mission. It was it was wild, but I, I really enjoyed it, you know, because we would go. Hang out during do our thing during the day. I'd come back, play basketball outside the civic center with the evacuees. They had a little hoop set up, you know, Sure. and then go out right along with the police at night. That, that can, what age were you then? Shit. That was in my mid twenties. Right. I mean, that, yeah. that
0: can help be a real character builder seeing your own, your home turf. It's, yeah. it's stateside. It's not overseas. Yeah. I really
1: respect that. So what was your job in the army? So I was have always been an engineer. Uh, you know, I was doing—I was in a construction unit when I first joined. I was actually—I was an interior electrician. Okay. And then when I commissioned, I was—I was commissioned as a combat engineer officer. So I was an engineer my whole um, army career. When did you get uh, commissioned? 2010. That's awesome. Yeah. How many more years you stay in for? So I stayed in. You know, I transferred to the Air Force in 20 into 2016, 2017, around that time and I, I, I was a person, a completely different, went, as, went in as a personnel officer. Well, hold on, man, what, what, how'd you pull that off? How'd you go from Army to Air Force? Well, like, I saw a job, right, Like, and I was like, you know, I was, at the time, I was an instructor for OCS, right? so Officer Candidate School, for people who don't know, all right, I'm instructing OCS, I've had multiple surgeries, I had two surgeries on my shoulder, I've had knee surgery, I've had surgery on my hand, and I'm still doing, like, this Army shit.
0: I get you, you know, and I'm like,
1: all right, I still want to be in the military, but I don't want to be doing this gung-ho. Like, I loved instructing OCS. I loved it, but I wasn't trying to do, I wasn't trying to ruck, put a ruck on my back anymore, you know? Right. So that's what got me interested in the Air Force. (laughs) What job in the Air Force had you interested? So there wasn't a specific job that had me interested, but I saw a job posted as a SARC, right? And And I saw it. I called I'm like, I can't even, I saw it posted a couple of times. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm in the army. I didn't even know, you know? And then I called and I spoke to the commander and he was like, we'll interview you. If you, if we like you, we'll just transfer you. And it was that simple. That simple. It was that simple. I was a captain at the time and there's it was just, all it was was paperwork.
0: Maybe it's different when you're an officer. Did things yeah. get slicker and smoother when you were in uh, officer versus when you were enlisted?
1: Oh Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it the army's still a pain in the ass with paperwork, you know, but right. Like it took me it took that was my only hang up when it came to transfer, was the army was, you know, messing around with my paperwork. I was blocked by so many opportunities
0: when I was in the army. Mm-hmm. I mean I got in a lot of trouble in the army also. I'm not really good at following rules mm-hmm. or I feel like I have better systems that anyhow. I um in ninety eight or ninety nine, Delta was recruiting openly. <laughs> Like everybody said, I don't know if they exist or not, but they definitely did. You just never know who was in it. Yeah. And they actually showed up uh, for a recruitment and a test workout and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I, I went to it because it was at lunchtime or something like that. And we were in garrison. And I went back to my commander and said, Hey, you know, I just found out about this great opportunity. I think I'm going to pursue it. So what are the next steps? He's like, Oh, no, we're too short handed. You, you, you can't go. You'll have to wait till the next time they come around. We're too short handed at this time. And I was like, oh tsk, bummer. Seemed like a really <laughs> neat place where I could kind of be a free thinker, follow the guidelines, but figure out how to get things done. Seems like it'd be a really good fit for
1: me, but I guess if my commander says we're shorthanded, we can't they can't right. spare me. So, so so let me ask you a question. Like you, you we talked before we got you know, before we went live, you know, we were talking yeah. about the the military and yeah. and what we learned and things like that. Like what did you learn from the military? What would you say was your biggest takeaway from your military experience?
0: well it saved me from a path and i I can't really predict what that path was and i won't go into detail on the on my microphone on how fun i was living because i was really getting down in tampa florida and um so it saved me by giving me uh a little bit of prison at, at basic training couldn't get away wanted to get away it Taught me about working in high-stress team dynamics. I'm talking about just basic training at this point still. Yeah. Um, When I made it to my unit, it was quite disorganized. It became far more organized in the years that I was there, but the onboarding of new troops just really wasn't that squared away. And I immediately was able to identify flaws in how they were leading and how they were organizing the training of the new new recruits that were coming in after basic training. So I learned a lot about leadership, organizing leadership, and how to motivate men. And then my takeaways ultimately were if I had five lifetimes to live, I'd do a whole career in the military. One of my lives would be a whole career. I'd love to see how it looks. I'd love to see what it's like to drive a tank, fly a helicopter. I I would love to learn the disciplines of intelligence and that sort of stuff. But my takeaways were basically those of leadership and observing immature personnel forced into leadership training without leadership training. Or they're forced into leadership positions without leadership training. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. And it was all types of generations and backgrounds that for the most part really came together, at least in the unit I was in. Yeah. Um, but For me, it was more about team dynamics, leading personnel, um, understanding, I guess, quote, unquote, mission parameters and understanding what success is versus what it isn't. Hmm. And almost being gracious on whether you were successful or not based on the abilities of your team. Hmm. So I learned stuff like that in my military experience, but I wasn't. And a traditional unit that deployed a lot, yeah. you know, we, we did deployment for training, it was during peacetime, And one of my other takeaways I'd say would be <clears throat> how to show honor because I was in the, I was in the old guard, which is the ceremonial unit that handles funerals and retirement ceremonies and wreath layings in Arlington cemetery. So, um, I, I personally did over 1300 funerals and I was in the 21 gun salute. Yeah. So I was able to be out in the field of the cemetery and show a consistent standard of respect to those that were requesting it for their loved ones. Uh, but that was 20 years ago, bro. Yeah. That was a long time ago. And it, huh? it, it shaped who I became. And it was hard to let go of the leadership mentality and the leadership or the military version of communication. So I was really rough with people for about five or six years after the military because my later years, I was an instructor, the rough one, you know, the bad cop for uh, the last two years. So it was hard to get rid of that kind of personality. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. But like when you're in the military, for people who weren't, in your last 18 months, there seems to be this ramp up of talking with your colleagues, your fellow soldiers or airmen. But here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get out. i gonna get this certification hmm. for computers, and I'm, I'm gonna get a job doing this. And I heard they make like $140,000 a year. Mm. And you start creating all these pipe dreams yeah. and plans and plans and plans, and you end up being a bartender. <laughs> you get out, and you get like a bartender after your like two week yeah. beach vacation that you yeah. you promised yourself. Yeah. Um, so, and then again, I got out right as 9/11 kicked off. Yeah. So it was really an
1: unknown place for. Who you're supposed to be when you're in the military. you yeah, did say something that was interesting, and I thought, like, you know, as far as leadership is, is concerned, since, like, kind of, that's, that's, like, my area, right? It's, like, you talked about defining success and how I think, like, the military is really, it's a good, you know, entity to, to figure out how you're going to define, you know, defining success, because you can have the exact same scenario, right? But success can be measured in so many different ways depending on what the mission is, right? right? So, exact same scenario, so many different um, ways to define success. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a good thing. Well,
0: like, so when you're in an infantry unit, you have to do patrols. Yeah. You have to do reconnaissance. In training, they'll send you out to practice the skills and to follow the methods that they've laid out as the best way. Well, I wasn't in it. I was in an infantry unit, but it was a ceremonial unit. So we focused on showing respect by literally making sure our uniforms were extremely perfect the attention and many of the troops became an expert in the discipline of being a perfect looking soldier I don't believe that infantry units are able to become experts in every single position in their their company because you're good at what you do and you're reliable at what you do hopefully and you help work as a team in the old guard we had to be all be individual Individually perfect first and then perfect together as a group yeah. and then perfect with our movements And everything was choreographed with precision. Yeah, an enormous amount of rehearsals oh, yeah. You know we that was- for every for every mission because we went on four to five missions a day every mission We would rehearse for 15 minutes minimum. And that's a lot. Yeah for something as simple as a 21-gun salute, but So yeah part of the leadership was Determining what was successful, but you can almost pick out who screwed up yeah. in, in a 21-gun salute. Oh, yeah.
1: I've done a few more detail. I was in right a 21-gun salute. Too. Okay, cool. So yeah. so it's like
0: somebody d- pulls, yeah. and it means that they pulled the trigger too soon or too late. And we would we take a beating for stuff like that. But I think how that correlates after the military was being able to motivate people from multiple backgrounds. Mm-hmm how to speak to them in a way, whether it's rough or soft or everything in between to communicate what the standards are and to make sure, and I'm only thinking of my business at this point to make sure we're delivering a solid, successful mission yeah. of the day. That makes sense. But look, so you brought up the leadership and part of what you do. So tell me about how you came up with the idea of continuous journey,
1: LLC. I felt I felt like it could relate to any aspect of life right, like um, so if I'm going and doing a leadership workshop uh, th- like my business could evolve with me mm-hmm. all right? so even as in even when I, I started off doing leadership coaching and consulting and then I rebranded into doing co-parenting continuous journey still makes sense all right so whether you're a parent you're a supervisor whatever I was like it, it just made sense to me um, like got that's that's been my life right it's just been this continuous journey of growth development um, trying failing all that shit so do you work with individuals or businesses or small groups or board of directors all of the above man I've done um, I've worked with you know like I said colleges. we talked about working with colleges and universities uh, you know Corporations, things like that. I'm going to do a leadership workshop. I've done I've done diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, I I like to tailor a workshop to an organization. Right, like you tell me what your needs are, and this is what I'll come and talk about. Right, so um, because there's no one size fits all approach. Right, you can go in and give a leadership workshop on effective teams, which is one that I do. Right, and um, it. It's gonna resonate with some people, but like, what are your true? What are the true issues that you're having within this organization that we can talk about? Because this is just like, cause if cause if we're not talking about that, we're just checking the box, and that's one thing that I hate. Yeah, I hear you. I just I despise doing something just to check the box. Like we we're doing. Hey, because we got a budget for leadership development, right? We got we got a budget for that. So let's get, let's do a workshop. But does it really apply to your specific organization? So I'm going to find a way within that effective teams workshop to figure out what's going on between these walls, all right? And we're going to find a way to talk about that, all right, within that within the design workshop that I already have. That's pretty slick. So who would be give me an example of your ideal client? Um so right now, you know, I, like it's tough because it can be very broad. And like, you know, you like you want to niche down, right? But Like I say, I can go in and talk to a university. I can go in and talk to a board of directors. Um, The one I think one of my favorite workshops that I've done was just with the leadership team, right? Because you have to, because really, it starts there. So I can I can go and talk to your employees, and but there's no decision makers in that room, right? There's they can they can go and do their own individual thing and take something from that workshop that can enhance their own personal performance, but. What are, what are they really going to do to affect change, organizational change? So I really would love, you know, if we're talking about ideal um, group of people, it's your leadership team. Okay. And So um, you mean like the C-suite? Or are you talking about
0: managers? or?
1: I'm talking about managers, supervisors. If you work in like uh, uh, HR, mm-hmm. like people that, you know, anybody who's in those, anybody, if you're having a leadership meeting, whoever's in that room. <laughs> You know, for your organization. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: What about one-on-one stuff? Like, I don't. I have a leader
1: yeah.
0: on my team, and he handles things quite separately from me. Mm-hmm. He I, he identified me as a uh, a possibly a problem <laughs> on the job site, mm. and he didn't necessarily threaten to quit, but he was like, "Hey, I'm thinking about looking for another job." And I was like, "Yo, yeah, you're my." You're my dude. You're my top. You're my top guy. Why? Yeah. Why? Why do you want to leave? Is there anything we can work on? What's What's the issue here, man? Because and he was frustrated. Yeah. He's like, well, look, man. You come on the job site. I'm a painter, and, and the first thing you do is you, you you tell the helper to grab something out of the truck, because you expect them to already do that, and you tell the other guy to go do this, and you tell me to make sure we focus on this, and you walk around the job site flexing for the first forty five minutes of the job. And as soon as you leave, I gotta redo everything mm-hmm. for us to do it the way we need to do to get it done. And I was like, Oh shit. Well, well, all right. And he's like, I said, so you want me to just let you handle it? He's like, Yeah, I can handle it. And I'm like, What? Well, so you You don't want my input. You don't want me setting a tone. He's like, No, it makes more sense if I just say you don't need me. I want a company that needs me, and you don't need me because you're here to tell everybody what to do. And then they kind of go and do it until I tell them, well, how we're going to change it yeah. for the, for the sake of the flow of labor. And I'm like, okay, so you're telling me you don't want me to come here. <laughs> He's like, well, it makes sense if you walk me around the job site and show me what has to be done based on the work order. Right. And I heard from my friend, Amy, she said that I i am lucky that I have that kind of open communication and that the staff is happy to come to me and say that. Yeah. But I took it as I'm toxic on the job site.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, I didn't want my ego to get in the way. So I said, all right. And over the course of about two weeks, I ramped up his level of responsibility and his my expect and defining my expectations of reports from the job site so I still know what's going on. And if the commander in the field doesn't know, if the, if the commander doesn't know what's going on in the field from his field commanders, there's going to be a lapse in production. Hmm. So I've worked on that, and, and they've accomplished that, but... He noticed the the pivot of me not handling everything. But with that came additional responsibilities. So I used to support them by delivering the paint. If they were missing a ladder, I'd go get the ladder from the lot. So I was backing them up, you know, the way an XO would. Yeah. Right? Behind the scene. But he needed me to be a colonel and that he was the XO. Yeah. So I said, fine, from now on, you're buying the paint. Yeah. You know, here's how you do it. I showed them the systems. I gave more and more and more responsibility, and now we've plateaued,
1: yeah. and everything runs good. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I can help with, right? right? the one on, So the one-on-one on one mm-hmm. aspect, right? So right. when I did this, the last custom workshop that I did, what I offered with the package was an individual coaching session for everybody that attended the workshop, right? Because you got people in your organization. Most organizations have people in their organization that work performance is you know, can be, can ebbs and flow, or it's low. Yep. And it's got nothing to do with what's going on at work, potentially. I might, you might have an employee that's a single mom and is struggling with childcare or or stressed out because they're having a, they're in a tough, they're co-parenting with a narcissist, right? Like, or they're having a hard time setting boundaries in, with their family, right? So, and it's affecting their work performance. So you do an individual coaching testing with, the, with this person and I figure out what those things are. That's affecting them in their own personal life and on the job, all right? And then, or I talk to that guy, and I figure out like, okay, why haven't you had this conversation sooner? All right? We we figure out. He tells me what his issue is with you potentially, and I and I walk him through how to have that conversation in a productive way, before it gets to I'm I'm looking for another job, right? Right? Or I deal with the guy, or I talk to a guy that whose ego might be getting in the way, and I, we we walk through. All right. How do you manage this situation without letting your own shit get in the way? All right, like, and so you're not blowing up on your employees or anything like that because you took something the wrong way and you couldn't separate your own stuff. All right, so that's the individual part of it that a lot of people don't talk about. You just want to, you think we just come on a job and we, and we perform. That's the military, that's like sure. military mindset. Mm-hmm. You come and you get the job done. I'm going to talk to you however I want to talk to you. I'm going to give orders and you're going to do what I say. But that's not how it works in the civilian world, right? You got people with feelings. Yeah, <laughs> that and can go find another job. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, you can't just hop out of your military contract and say, "I'm going." All right, well, I'm going. I'm leaving. I'm going to another unit. I don't like this. You know, it don't work that way. Nope. So, yeah, that's that's the individual coaching aspect of it. it I've recently been on a journey of coaching. Mm. Like, I
0: have a business coach for one business. I have another business coach for another type of business. Mm. And then I've, I'm getting ready to hire a nutrition coach. Um, so that I can just be feed myself c- more correctly. Mm. I see the value in a fitness coach, mm. like a, a trainer, with not only the, the oversight, but the accountability, mm. um, leadership coaching. I mean, do you have a uh, clients that are almost like, have you on retainer where you meet with them monthly? Or? I would
1: like to, not yet. I don't have okay. any clients on retainer yet. Yeah. Um, That'd be
0: like a membership, right?
1: That yeah. Kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So. Or a subscription. Ideally, that would be nice. So, but I don't have, I don't have a single client on retainer yet. That's a goal of mine. Yeah. For sure. Um, because it's, but what I do have is I have clients that we, they signed up for a certain amount of sessions or a package. And once we stopped coaching, things kind of went off the rails and they came back. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, and if they were able to, if you can afford it, right, like, then they probably should have been on retainer. Like, it should have been a continuous thing where, you know, you're checking in and accountability and, like, you're not letting things fall off the rails. All right, so, because it happens all the time. You think, you think you, all right, I got a certain amount of coaching sessions, like, I'm on track, I'm set, I'm good to go. And then, like, for some reason there's no, once that accountability piece goes away, and you know you got somebody continuously coaching you through these through the little details of things that are going on because every situation is is different, right? Right. Um, so yeah.
0: So let's get back to where I, I was at before. Okay. Who is the easy client? Who's the client that you would want one you know one new one a month because you're able to deliver easily to them, and then I'll follow that up with who's the middle client the middle client that requires more kinds of work. And you can give me example X or example Z and the actual companies, but who, because what I want to do is I want to paint a picture for someone who realizes they fall into a category and they should call you. Mm. And then the final piece would be who's the dream client. Like, Oh, I really want APUS, or I really want to get involved over a Procter and like the big mega thing that mm. nobody's even ready for. And you got to jump through hoops to make sure you can deliver. Yeah. So we'll start with, Who's the easy, the gravy? Who's the the long
1: term client, and then who's the mm-hmm. dream client? The easy is check the box,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like I go in, I do my workshop, All right? Like only ten percent of the people sign up for the individual coaching session, right? <laughs> like that's the easy, that's the easy right. job, All right? Like either either way, I made my money, mm-hmm. All right? But like the the you know. The middle of the road is like like we just talked about is the person or the organization that all right they come in they think we just need one-stop shop all right we just got these quick things we need to fix talk about once we handle these we're good to go and they think and they think they get on like i said they get on on track and then it's like they needed some more guidance along the way once they got on track what would be an example of a
0: company locally that you you think you could help out
1: That's a good question.
0: I mean we all have our
1: targets and our our dreams. Um, or, or even if it's not local, who's somebody you want to what I mean you did like you did mention Procter and Gamble. Mm-hmm. And like I have I've had my eye on Procter and Gamble for a while. Like my so my uh, my sister works for Logoplast, who does like who makes the bottles and stuff for Procter and Gamble. Okay. And from what I hear from her is like Procter and Gamble really care about their employees, right? right? And they want, you know, so That's that's who you that's who you want. You want somebody who really cares about your employees, because I'm not I'm not doing this just to make money. I'm doing it to make a difference. Sure. So if I want to if I'm going to come in, I want somebody who really is going to implement change and is serious about it. Like that's the ideal client is a leadership team who believes in change, who believes in, you know, development and the and the whole and the whole leadership team is on board with that right because that's big to have buy-in from everybody that from the people that are making decisions right because i i have I went to one organization and we did a workshop and the head of the organization he was on he he wanted it but he had a toxic team around him and once you leave that workshop once you you know you leave that coaching or training you can't it all goes back to how it was if everybody's not on board so somebody who really believes in it.
0: I took a leadership uh, course recently where they tapped into, it's called uh, strengths, something, something mm-hmm. strengths. And um, you kind of took a personality test. It was like 70 questions long. You had like a 20 minutes take all. And then what it does is it compiles all of this data and it files you into certain categories, yeah. kind of like a Myers-Briggs or something like that, but not as, not as in detail. Um, what it did was, it then educated people on how to identify those personalities in themselves and, yeah. and what those traits meant. But then I find that the people in the leadership group also continuously re- reflect on what their strengths were and they can identify why they, or why I am the way I am, why the yeah. process challenges the way I do, or the way that I lead, the way that I do. and. I really live like that of the leadership courses that I've been to or, or the, the seminars or whatever is when there's a way to learn about myself first mm-hmm. and then be not so much empathetic, but understanding of if other people fall into a different category yeah. and then learning how to work with with them. And do you ever work with sort of personality tests and stuff like that? Or has it not gotten to that level yet?
1: It's not, it hasn't gotten to that level yet, but what I do is I do something a little different is... <clears throat> I like to find, you know, instead of people finding out necessarily like what's what makes them tick. I like to get people to find out what they have in common. Mm-hmm. All right. So and then that helps. It, it helps with cohesion. Because right? even if I know like how you operate or I know, you know, how you operate individually and what makes you tick. Right. Like I might care. I might not. Right? Like if it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for me. Right, but if I connect with you, if I if I sit you down with a group of people and I say, and and everybody in your group is a parent, and you pick a question out of a bowl, and and the question is like, talk about in your group what the most difficult part is about being a parent, and like it doesn't matter what your personality is, and everybody can relate to, and everybody's like, man, my teenager like talks back, or you know this that I can't get them to do their homework, and everybody, and you're like, man, me too, like you know I don't know how to, I'm having trouble disciplining. You know co-parenting it sucks yeah you know, i've been i've gone to court like eight times and somebody you know somebody said you work with every day that's been to court eight times you know five ten times you know and you're like man and you connect over shared experiences right then you're more likely to go and fight for that person on the battlefield right you're more likely to jump on a grenade right? because you know that you guys share the same challenges
0: yeah a little different but the same yeah that's really that's really smart that's neat
1: so that's usually, my, that's my approach.
0: So who would be like the mega client? Mega,
1: mega. Um, See, so you got me thinking about things now, right? Like, And uh, we're talking about where, as a side note, right? We're talking about where I'm from, like where I grew up and I think I'm almost a victim of my where I grew up in some senses where I'm not thinking like of who's my mega client, right, where I have this like, almost like this like scarcity mindset or like this like, and I'm like- Imposter syndrome uh, maybe? Imp- imposter syndrome big time, man. Like when I, I just, I just finished writing my first book and imposter syndrome throughout my entire writing process. All right, it should be, it should be published by, you know, the, before the end of this year. All right, I'm just, you know, working on the details. Congratulations on that, man, that's Thank huge. You. Thank you. So, imposter syndrome, big time. Like, who am I to be writing a book? You know, and like, I'd stop writing for like a month. You well, know,
0: I can't wait to ask you about that because I'm gonna follow up the very end of this podcast about it. Yeah, because I want to know how do you know you've got the nuts to write a book? You know, like how how do you even? Because I mm-hmm. totally agree with the imposter syndrome. Like. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I have I maybe three people want to know what I have to say. Mm. I, I imagine that, mm. you know, and I know even like the podcast, I don't review the numbers mm. because I don't want to find out nobody's listening. Yeah. And I don't want to find out that people are listening. <laughs> it's just kind of my art. It's about this conversation. Yeah. But, okay, so if you feel like you're an imposter and you don't know how to identify A top if you don't know how to identify who your top client would be the dream client you're like well I want to work with the state government Mm -hmm. whether it's highway department I want to get in with the state I want to do leadership consulting with the state Mm -hmm. I know it's probably a massive long shot but I definitely want to make sure I'm in a position that I could pivot to be ready to work with Mm -hmm. a huge organization like the state yeah because you know the check's going to clear they're going to pay on time mm. and they have numerous departments that you could almost give not so much of checking the box yeah but you can get that entry level sort of thing too and then a, a graduate level sort of training too
1: mm.
0: like to me the state would be a huge one you travel travel all mm. around and yeah. but anyways yeah my the reason i ask people about who their ideal clients are is to to spark that energy yeah. of yeah i need to be ready when the wave hits I'm absolutely trying to, if i'm trying to surf the wave if i'm too low on the wave it's going to crash on me
1: uh-huh.
0: If i'm too high on the wave it's going to pass me by mm. i try to my anxiety forces me to stay in that zone yeah. of catching the wave kind of lower kind of higher just perfectly i recently heard a story about a local restaurant that was just Day in and day out, getting things done, struggling with staff. No, we got we have staff struggling with the price of materials and food and chicken, and then it's not in stock. And every little every little thing was chipping away at this restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were making things happen, and they would always talk about really moving the needle and getting their systems in order so that you know things would be smoother. More, more maybe just to get a day off yeah. without getting having to come in, and then MTV rolls in, asking hey, can we use your space? Or, hey, we're considering using your space. We're going to need this sort of a setup. And this business owner was like, what? Mm. And it didn't end up panning out for them. They chose to do use a different location yeah. based on the whoever makes decisions. Yeah. But this particular restaurant was going to be an option to be the set. And that would have been massively positive for them. Yeah. To have their business on a show on MTV, no matter how yeah. silly it might have been. But this business owner was like, "I now know, I have to be ready for things I don't even see coming."
1: Absolutely right, and that's that's what it's about. It's about posturing yourself so you can be ready, right? To to handle, like, even as I'm even as I'm having imposter syndrome writing this book, right? There's I still believe in my I believe it, right? Mm -hmm. That like I can do this. Um, I believe that because I've done it, I've been tried and, and tested, you know. Like that, everything that's been thrown my way, I've overcome it. I've figured out a way. I have to trust in that, and um, and that in the meantime, I'm posturing myself for when my book does well, right? And and what may come with that. And so, meaning down to the smallest molecule, down to my morning routine, right? Am my is my life set up in such a way to where when something big comes, I'm ready, right? Right? Am I staying ready so I don't got to get ready? Right. And how do you and you mentioned it like with the podcast, like how do you know you have the nuts? Right. Yeah. Like you. It's like it's almost like you don't know. Right. You just you just do. You just do like you're doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. You just do it because I love it. man. man. I want to I want to give people a voice. I want to spread a message. I want to do this, you know, and and that's why I wrote the book. Even if if one person reads it and it changes their life. Man, that's awesome. I'm an author, I'm a published author, and I changed somebody's fucking life. Bam! Right? Yeah, it's awesome. So, to hell with however many people read it. All right, that's what I did it for. I didn't, you know, so that's why you keep going. It's like Simon Sinek talks about your why. So, it's about your why. Why am I doing this? Is it to make a ton of money? That would be nice. No, but it's really because I want to serve and I want to help people.
0: That's so good to hear. Let's pivot over to the uh, co parenting. Mm.
1: Explain that to me. You know we talked about leadership this whole time and and um whenever I went and did a leadership workshop every single time there'd be a lesson with an example from me being a father right so fatherhood is my biggest leadership role my son like is my biggest teacher he challenges me all the time how old was he he's 10 nice if the line is here he's always got one foot over it always that's just for the space that he lives in right and so I come from old school parenting right now. I'm trying to new school parent <laughs> old school, meaning we used to get spanked. I mean, yeah, okay. I, I, I talk about it in my book. Like there was two forms of parenting. You use either, there was either punishment or you got your ass whooped. Right. That was it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. There, the, the book wasn't that long on, you know, how to discipline. right? So I'm trying to do this new school parenting with my son. Who's always constantly stepping over the line. You know, what I, talking to me, what I think is disrespectfully. Right. And talking to his mom, you know, and I'm like, all right. I'm not whooping ass, right? Like I'm I'm talking, I'm trying to communicate, I'm, you know, listening, you know, trying to be compassionate, like all these things. Right. So it's teaching me about I've learned more patience, compassion and empathy from my from being a father to my son than anything that's in my life. So and co parenting I think is one of the, is the is one of the something that's hurting kids so much that we don't really talk about that's not really quantified right like two parents who can't get their shit together and are constantly fighting arguing can't get along can't communicate and what it's doing to your children right that it that matters and there's not I don't think there's a enough people focus focusing on this niche this niche of of, of people who need help right right because yeah you got you got a, maybe you got a lawyer who's helping you in court but who's helping you outside of court? Who's helping you when you're stressed out and it's affecting and every, your kid come, and you don't have the energy when your kid wants to play Uno, right? Because you're stressed out by the other co-parent, right? Who, you know, who's helping you through those scenarios, right? Who's helping you with the day-to-day when you haven't learned how to set boundaries? Your lawyer's not helping you set boundaries. I am, right? Your lawyer's not helping you find peace from within when you feel like your co-parenting situation is hopeless. I am right so so that's what
0: what's that, an example of what's what there's got to be like the typical first step what is like so the first step when you meet with somebody that
1: you're gonna be their co-parenting coach mm-hmm.
0: what what's the first step?
1: so the first step you know is identifying where you are right like I and that's the first step in my book, right. Um, establish where you are. Second step is establish where you wanna be. Based on reality and the given circumstances. All right? Like tell me all your issues. Tell me what tell me everything that's going on. And let's figure out first how you're getting in your own way. All right? Because you may not be aware of these things. You know, I'm gonna take this situation in its totality. Let's figure out where you are. What's how are you getting in your own way? Are you stubborn as hell? Like, are you are you bitter? Um, are you co-parenting from a place of resentment? Right? Like, are you withholding parenting time because you're angry that you got cheated on? Like, right, let's figure out what's getting in the way of, of your co-parenting relationship. Where you are,
0: yeah. Yeah, That's that's gotta be tough. And for me, it I don't have any kids, so mm-hmm. I don't really know anything about that equation. Mm-hmm. But I can see the value in coaching. Mm-hmm. How is coaching different than counseling?
1: See, coaching is different than counseling. And another thing I'll say is like, yeah, we want to figure out where you are, like what's getting in your own way, but we do got to handle immediate, the, what's your first immediate stressor, mm-hmm. right? Like my other co-parent is comp- always violating my boundary. Well, let's let's deal with that really that that you think is super immediate, and we'll handle that, and then we could get into the other stuff. But um, I almost forgot the question.
0: How is coaching? How is coaching than how's
1: different than counseling? Right. So your counselor, your counselor is going to you are going to have a fifty minute session with a counselor. You are never going to speak to that counselor outside of your session, right? C- counseling is more diving into your past. I'm guiding you to your future. Okay. It may take some diving into your past, but more so I'm guiding you to your future. I'm over I'm helping you overcome the roadblocks that are currently in your way and where where is that where you know, we're creating goals all that thing. And and I am with you like I think coaching is is so different because you can be you can be you can color outside the lines. All right? Like if if I got a client that's having an issue, and they call me at and they shoot me a text at midnight, and I'm awake. I'm like, hey, you want? You, do you need to hop on a call right now? Like, I hop on a call with my client. You know, coaching is more is is more personal. Mm-hmm. As a therapist, you're not sharing. It's like you you don't. It's a rule. You're not sharing parts of your life really with your clients as a, right. as a counselor. As a coach, I'm gonna share some uh, some stuff I got going on just so we can relate to another one another and connect. Right? You can yeah. you can color outside the line. Do you work with both parents or typically just one? Typically one, but I will work with both. Usually, what I've from my experience it's usually just one parent that wants to work. Right, that's the parent that's reaching out because they're they're struggling, and the other person. I've had multiple occasions where the other person said, "Yeah, I'll hop on a call," and never never showed up. Is it structured like a monthly fee? So it's you can do by session. Um, what I love, what I like to do is what I think is the most valuable is I have a three month program where we meet bi weekly. And we check in on the off weeks, and then I'm on call. Like if you need me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I with all the with all the coaching. I'm sure it's always been there, but I feel like it's kind of ramping up a lot yeah. in the last couple of years. Yeah, it makes sense if you have the the wherewithal and the, the budgets. Um, I I always envision Andy Reid for some reason, <laughs> just on the sidelines, mm-hmm. you know, with the coat, the typical coach look. You know, walking around looking at a play mm-hmm. a play sheet or play card and giving instructions based on the next move, yeah. based on the next move. We're trying to get to this, whether it's a first down or a touchdown, we're trying to move this or we're trying to stop the ball or push him back. The next move is this. Mm-hmm. The coach helps make the call. Pro level, the quarterbacks help make the call too. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I see when you hire a coach for yourself. You're operating it. You're, you're trying to operate at pro level mm-hmm. of your life. Right. And in if you're trying to do it by yourself, if you're trying to run a business and be a single parent and do the right things in life and take care of yourself with health and wellness, yeah, it's, it's freaking overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's so hard. Things begin to slide. Usually the first thing to slide is your health and wellness. Yeah. You start eating crap food, stop the workouts, you know, there's that's easy to stop. Yeah. Really hard to start back up. I can really see the benefit to to what you're talking about. Tell me, tell me a success story with the
1: co-parenting where it's where it's really helped out. So, my last client who just finished my three month program. When we first started coaching, she was stressed out every day because she was dealing with her her you know her child's father he was always talking bad to her, always just like trying to violate her boundaries. And by after the third coaching session, we got her to a place where we didn't even talk about him anymore. Like she was like, you know what? I understand who he is, who he is, he's not gonna change. Here's how I'm gonna do handle that. Like I, I, I helped her focus on her locus of control, right? Like what are within the realms of your control what can you change? What can't you change? And how are you gonna find peace if he continues to be the same person that he is? Which is mo- most likely gonna happen. And all we did after that, once we got to a place after a third session where we were no longer talking about him, and, all, and we worked on her personal growth and development for the rest of the time. And, nice. And so she had already found peace in her co-parenting relationship and, and knew how, how she was gonna handle it. Now we were talking about her marriage. We were talking about how she was parenting her kids, you know. We were talking about her fitness goals, um, you know, how she was managing, how she was managing her leadership role in a PTO. You know, we were, we we stopped talking about him, long, you know, a long time ago. Good. And she's like, she's at such a happy place. Like, how are you finding time for yourself? And We got to work on her.
0: That's really really good. You really need to figure out how to do a monthly a monthly sort of subscription. Mm. Say, look, you got to do, got to do it the first month. We got to do it every week. Mm. I'm just thinking from the business side. I mm. mean, I, I really believe in what you're doing. Right. So I right, look, we're gonna do intensive once a week with one check in per week. Addition, mm. that's two times. You get me mm. for the first month. Then you graduate to the three month program. Mm. Once we feel like you've handled mm. or ready to move beyond the, bi weekly with the occasional check ins and we really are both agreeing that you're moving in the right direction. Then we move into a membership. Mm. and the membership is basically one to two per month mm. moving forward for a year commitment. Lock yeah. in that long term that long term money,
1: Anthony. Yeah. I need a business coach, man. I like, you know, same as you yeah. like, <laughs> I, it's like, you because know, i 'cause I'm I'm just doing you know, I'm I'm learning as I go too. Right. I know that I'm good at what I do. Right, But I'm still learning the business side of it. Because that success story, what if she decides that she's running out of money Mm
0: -hmm. or that, okay, I've accomplished it all. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I mean, I don't think we need to continue. But all it takes is three weeks from then for something to go a little sideways. Mm -hmm. Then it compounds two months later. Mm -hmm. Then six months down the road, you might be right back at the starting point without that continued Yeah absolutely I mean but the logic business based side of things tell me that you should create your product and service in a way that there's benefit for long term subscription yeah absolutely and I mean then you then you lump in the occasional retreat yeah I mean it's like I look forward to talking to you offline yeah. and spitballing these ideas. Yeah. You know your business, but I'd love to just toss these ideas out there and maybe it inspires you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. That's so good. All right. So we're going to wrap up with this book. What's the book called?
1: The book is called, it's not about you. It's my, it's a co-parenting book. Right. Um, so it's my 10 foundational principles to a solid co-parenting relationship. Right? 10
0: foundational principles to a solid co-parenting relationship. Situation. Relationship. Yeah. Relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's a great title. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, How long is it? Um, is it so a short read? A it's long a short
1: read. read. Like, so I wanted, uh, it wasn't, I, I, I wrote it. I wanted it to be as concise as possible with giving you as much information as I could. And I didn't want people, I don't want people to pick it up and feel overwhelmed by it. So it's, it's going to be a short read. Um, so yeah, I'm just, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to when it. When does out. it come out? Well, I have to, so right now, the stage that we're at, I just, um, what, last Friday, I submitted the manuscript to you know, the company that's helping me self-publish, and they're going to do professional edit for me. Nice. So we should be, I don't know, I think we should be good to go somewhere around Christmas. Um,
0: that's epic. Yeah is it one of those things where it's printed on demand or are they going to print like 10,000 copies? So or? it's going
1: to be printed on. They're going to print on demand. So yeah, they're going to print on demand. It's going to be initially, it's going to be an all, all online, all online. So, okay. um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble books, a million things like that. So, and if it's, uh, if it's from what I understand, like this is my first time with this experience writing from what I understand, if it's selling well in a certain area, like say this area wants to support my book and a lot of people buy it, we get it in the bookstores in, in the stores up here.
0: Are you going to do an audiobook?
1: Absolutely. You want with your own voice? Yes. I feel like audiobook has to be in your own voice. Like right. well, that's just how I feel.
0: Right. Well, I think that's a new way of consuming books, anyways. Yeah.
1: I, that's all I do is listen to audiobooks. I don't. I don't read, right. read a book somewhere.
0: That's that's really cool, man. Uh, and and way to have the balls to write a book. Who did somebody coach you along?
1: No. 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 I just, You're just like okay. I just I wrote it. Just I just wrote it. And, you know, I had people help me read it and, you know, I I sent it to some beta readers and things like that. But I just I just wrote it. I wrote it out of outline and uh, I wrote it. If somebody wanted to learn more
0: about the leadership coaching or the co-parenting or the book, what's your website?
1: They can go to co-parentingjourney.com and find me Um, and you can see, you know, all my information on that website about co-parenting, leadership um all that stuff. Or you can find me on t- like my my TikTok is doing well. My TikTok is doing well, so I'm the I'm the co-parenting coach on TikTok. Wow. All right. So I have a, a decent following. It's like like 16,000 right now, something like that. So um that was my plan, right? To try to build a I just got my t- created my TikTok about a year ago and I was like, "Let me let me just go on here and talk about co-parenting and add value with the idea of writing a book in mind." And And hopefully, I was like, all right, if I develop a following, then, you know, maybe once my, and they see that I have value, that when my book comes out, people will buy it. Slick. Really slick. Smart thinking. Uh, Thank you.
0: Was there anything we were supposed to cover that we haven't covered so far?
1: (laughs) I don't think so, man. I got, like, it flowed, man. We were just talking about whatever, you know, hit us. I get you. Would you be interested in coming on if there was interest in talking to I guess, single parents. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. We, I love what you're doing, man. I, I think you're, I think you're good at what you do. You're a great conversationalist. You have good, you ask good questions. Thanks. So, and, um, you also have a
0: podcast. Is that going to continue on? That's going to
1: continue. Okay. I, uh, I was debating whether I was going to, my second. So I already decided my whole second seat. My, my podcast is called the molds that make fatherhood. The molds. Molds like molding and like a, gotcha. So the molds yeah. that make fatherhood is my podcast. And I did my first season. And I was like, am I going to do a season two? You know, because I was working on other things. And, um, but yeah, I'm going to do a season two. And I think, and my whole second season is going to be about co-parenting. And I'm going to promote my book through my whole second season. Genius. Uh, well, and so what platform are you primarily on? So I you, so I'm, with my podcast, it's yeah. it, my podcast is, is everywhere. It's everywhere. on Apple. Yeah. You know, Spotify, you know, everywhere you can, every major iHeartRadio where you can find a podcast All right,
0: good. let's go ahead go ahead plug the uh, plug the book again, plug the website, and then I think we're about wrapped up.
1: All right. The book, it's not about you, should be out Christmas. Um, you know, ten foundational principles to solid co parenting relationship. Website, www.coparentingjourney.com. dot And you can find my Instagram is AJ the parenting Coach and TikTok is the co parenting coach on TikTok. Very right, so good. That's where you can find me.
0: Great, man. Well, thanks for being on the Break It Down for Bracken's podcast.
1: Oh, I man. Thanks for having me, man. This was, this was a good time. I enjoyed nice. it.
0: Thank you. Today's conversation was brought to you by Bracken's Painting. You can find information about Bracken's Painting at www.brackenspainting.com. For all of your residential and commercial painting needs, give Bracken's a call.